The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on a journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of The Game is the Game. I'm your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. And with me today, I mean, I feel like I start it this way all the time, but it is a very good friend of mine <laughs> with me today. And before I introduce him, people, before I get right into it, let me give you the title of this particular episode. This one's going to be called The One with the Actor. And I'm joined today by my good friend, Kalai Janelle. Before I let Kalai come in and, and talk about himself, let me give you a lot of the blurb. I went to find this professional blurb. You know them ones where you, you're inviting a friend on to talk to you, but you have to find the professional blurb as to how they describe themselves. So let, let me let me give it to you, people. Kalai Janelle is an ex-secondary school teacher turned professional actor and full-time creative artist after career change in 2018. He's a versatile actor, singer, and writer from London. Um, he recently won an award-winning arts organization, Novel Rich's Mad Times Monologue Competition with his original piece, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Now, the thing is, people, I'm reading this, but this is actually outdated because you see when I started reading this, people, Kalai has since gone on to perform No More Mr. Nice Guy, sold out, double double bookings and showings. <laughs> I, 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 had, I, had, I, um, I was blessed to go and see the production of No More Mr. Nice Guy. I don't even want to spoil all the kind of gems that Kalai is about to drop and and mm. and kind of all of the, the truce is about to drop out of that because that show's not even properly finished. But I, I was pleasured <laughs> to, to, to see um, at least what I call part one of No More Mr. Nice Guy. But I haven't really done him full justice. Listen, my, my, my good friend Kalai is a super talented actor. And if you're listening to this, if you're a good friend of him, you already know. If you've come across him, you already know. But if you don't, follow his path and follow his career, people, because this guy's gonna, he's gonna blow and blow big. And um, obviously, all the acts will be in the descriptions below, where wherever you're streaming this particular podcast, I'll speak about all the acts at the end as well. But uh, people, without any further ado, long-winded intro, you know what I'm like. But can <laughs> I? Yes, doing, I'm good, Mash. Yeah, thank you for the intro, brother. I'm gassed. I'm gassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, thank you. I'm I'm good, man. I'm doing well. It's great to be here. I love just talking about the process, the journey, man. This is this is a great playground to just do that and to 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 share w with you tonight. So yeah, thanks for having me on, man. No, for real. The pleasure is all mine. And um, I mean, you you heard the intro, and I said it's the one with the actor. Mm. I also kind of read one of your, and um, that blurb should be updated. The one I read, yes, yeah, she was reading it. From? Yeah, I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> I need to update that. He's like, which, like, which website did you oh, read that one from? But I had to find something to of read course. it from to give you an appropriate intro. But mm. listen, I, I kind of said at the top, ex secondary school teacher, and mm -hmm. I, I told you before we started recording, I was like, I don't mm. even really want to focus on that. I want to focus mm. on the 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 acting but it's important because that's part mm. of your journey if you don't have that you don't get to where you are now so first things first Kalai, let's break mm. it down for the people mm. um don't even get into the acting mm. well yeah maybe you will who are you 
who are you when you network <laughs> and you walk yeah. into a room nowadays and mm. you meet someone who's never met you before who do you say Kali Janelle is talk to the people mm, good question man you know what so I think walking into the room and and I, this I, I have to say this like I walk into a room now and I'm like okay I am Kali and the reason why I say that is because I think growing up I've had so many labels, being in the church, being a teacher, head, head of year, um, head of department, all that kind of stuff. And and I've had so many labels growing up. And when I was younger, I would I really didn't like my name because it was mm. so different to all of the Steves and the Jameses. And the, the, I had a good, fr got a good friend now called Shane. You know, I wanted a name like that. I didn't want a, an, a, an original name that was anti-establishment. So my dad, who is a Jamaican man, you know, I was born in the 80s. He said, I wanted to give you an anti-establishment name, son. He called me Kalai and he gave me Janelle as my middle name after Superman Kalel. And then his dad's name is Jorel, I believe. So he did like a remix on it and called me Kalai Janelle. And because I hadn't embraced my name for so long, I kind of got to the point where I hit my kind of late, mid to late thirties. And I began to realize how unique my name was. Mm -hmm. And in turn, how unique my own set of kind of skills were that I had in my hands. So now when I walk into a room, there's just something about me embracing the uniqueness of my name. And I think it then means when I walk into a room, I know that, okay, I bring myself, me as a human being and a man, but I bring something very unique that someone else can't bring. And obviously they bring what they can bring. But I think that for me is an essential part of being in any space, like embracing who I am fully like and unapologetically. And I think that for me is what I bring into a room and a space. Um, and obviously my open heart. I love connecting with people, man. So that's that's kind of in, in, in a nutshell. Um, and I think what I'd throw in there, if I was going to put a little condiment on that, I would say just I love to create, bro. Like I think it just as I breathe, I create. I know the word for breathe. There's something up. There's a there's a link between the word breath and inspiration i believe and essentially we breathe and it inspires the mind right to think so i just think as as we have breath in our bodies we are designed to create whatever that looks like in whatever industry we are designed to create and there's just something in me that has a real attachment to the idea of creating from nothing and just being original and being unique and creating something new so that's kind of the space I live in creatively as a person. And when I walk into a room, I'm about kind of creating something new, creating new relationships, creating a new moment, creating a new connection, a new idea. That's 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 where I sit. <laughs> if that makes sense. Listen, it, it mm. makes total sense. And you've mm. already listen. I'm, I'm already excited about where this comes. <laughs> you know, anyone listening to this? Listen, I don't plan these things. You know, these are all just <laughs> organic conversations. Wherever can I mm. take this? Is where I'm just gonna follow with this conversation. <laughs> But do you know what, though? That, that thing you said about a name is actually mm. super important mm. because it's what you said resonated with me strongly. So in the last five, I'd say the last five years or so, I've started giving people my full name, mm. Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt. And you much go. like you, everyone's called me Mash my whole life because no mm. one can pronounce my name. My mm. dad gave me the name Mashal after Samora Mashal. I'm like, oh, no, no one can say my name. <laughs> Then people would look at the middle name and go, why have you got St. Patrick as your middle mm. name? But do you know, as you said, Kala, it's powerful once you fully claim your identity. It gives oh, you a yes. new sense of yes. power and you get closer to reaching your understanding of who you truly are once you 100%. claim your name. 
Um, so I, you won't believe what what you said resonated strongly. Oh, that's uh, wonderful, man. That's when, wonderful. When you said that, and that's the explanation to anyone listening. That's the explanation for why I now fully say my name. When, mm, when I, yeah, when I meet people, there is more to it than you realize it. about why I've done that. There's weight, man. For real, Trust for me. real. Now it's interesting that, and maybe that's probably deliberate. Maybe it's the right thing because I said, "Who are you?" Right, mm. and you sent a don probably creative mm -hmm. creative you are a creator you are a creative you create mm -hmm. but knowing <clears throat> you as i know you obviously i know you've been a musician you probably mm -hmm. I bet you might say you still are a musician i don't know mm -hmm. it's up to you for tell me you've mm -hmm. been a teacher you you're you're now uh an actor probably at some moment in time you've been all three without even realizing mm -hmm. but um what because people need to understand we and we want to traverse your kind of travel through being an actor but mm. you had to travel on a path to get there to reach mm. the, the, that form so let's start from the beginning mm. um in some senses did you always it sounds corny but uh, you'll mm. you'll understand why i have to ask you this mm. did you always know or feel that you'd end up acting because i i've assumed through knowing you that music was actually your first proper love um but did you sense even whilst doing music mm. that i could end up going down this acting route as well tell me tell me the story yeah um so essentially when i was younger like there's there are some early archive tapes of me singing where my dad used to cut his little tapes because my dad was a, a DJ and, a, and an MC. And he, my dad did act as well. He did a spot of acting. He used to act in a lot of plays, Caribbean comedies at the Hackney Empire and so forth. I'd always go and see them. Mm. Um, so from a very early age, I was very musical. And I remember teaching myself how to sing at age, like at age 10, I would sing the same song every night to, to sing myself to sleep. It was that song. I can't remember who sings it now. Only you. That song was that my jam. People, nah, nah, stop, 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 stop. See that, <laughs> that, people? See how we just drop the bars in there nicely. <laughs> <laughs> carry on, carry on. So that, that, that song, bro, like, honestly, that um, that was the song. Every night I would sing, sing myself to sleep with that song. And at age 13, my dad said, you know what, son, like, I think you, like, you can sing. Um, and he submitted me for some competitions and I did a few competitions and like won some, came close to winning some and didn't and just did the rounds in like the Hackney area. That, that's where I was based. So I was always into music and I joined a group at age 13 and I was in that gospel group for 13 years. And that was like training ground. Every Thursday we rehearsed. Um, I was in a choir um, as an adult and a child. I was always immersed in music. So I think music was always a big part of who I thought I was as a creative. So it's an interesting question you asked because I think even though I was still acting, um, and I'll swing back round to that in a second because um, essentially music was all I would see as my, my creative outlet. I could, I could, we would write songs every week. That, that was my training ground. That's where I learned how to write songs when we practice every Thursday. That's where I learned how to rap. That's where I developed my ear for music. That's where I could like, you know, it just all of my developmental phases musically and I would say creatively was in that space with these um, five other guys, brothers that I grew up with in Ilford, <laughs> you know, in, in, in a room, one hot room, one hot, smelly, sweaty room every week, man, without fail. So I up until the age of, I would say even 26 when I left the group, I was still into music, even up mm. to like late into my 30s. But here's the thing, at age... 
I was in year nine, so that would have been about about, about 13, isn't it? Yeah, about 13. Yeah, yeah. Age, um, year nine, my drama teacher came to me and said, um, I, we did a, sh a, a Shakespeare scene from Romeo and Juliet. I think I was playing Mercutio in that scene. And she came to me at the end of the lesson and said, you should, you should study drama GCSE, which I did do. Later on, at sixth form, my dad said, you're going to do business, computing, all these creative things, you know, bun that, you're going to get a job. So the, I didn't choose old drama. Them old them school, <laughs> bro, the old school Jamaican thing came out. You, you ain't doing that. So I, di I didn't choose drama A-level. I chose it GCSE, did very well. But my teacher found me when I went to the college on, on the day we were signing up. And she said, no, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're doing drama. So behind my dad's back, I chose drama. And then I carried on doing, you know, the other ones he asked me to do business computing, but I, I stayed on the drama. So she clicked. I mean, she's God rest her soul. She's not alive now, but she saw something in me, Miss Arnold, back mm. in year nine. And I think that seed stayed with me because I was always performing and writing. Me and my sister would write um, plays and record them on tapes. Things we've written that we still remember and quote to each other today when we see each other, one of my sisters. Um, and we, um, I was always just creating stuff so the creative bones were in there and I think the acting was there but for me all I saw it was was music because that was the thing that I had access to and it was the thing that no one stopped me from doing so I was allowed to do music do you know what right. I mean no I'm so glad you said that because mm. whether deliberate or not access access, access bro now you I mean I've seen you I've seen I've seen your shows <clears throat> Yeah. The, the talent is real thank you but was it because would it have would you have hit the scene earlier hmm. if someone had shown you the path well i don't know did someone show you the path or was it because you just didn't see the pathway to how you go from having a talent in hmm. the acting field to the next steps because mm. I, I only know bits and pieces about the yeah. acting world, but trust me yeah. when I say the little bits and pieces I know and of the friends I've had who've dabbled in it mm. ain't easy. Oh, ain't bro, easy man. to pass. It's a journey, <laughs> man, bro. It so is, man. Do you, just... do you look back and, yeah. and say, boy, I never really had the hookup though to mm. know what to do next? Or, yeah. were you, or was it because you were just fully on music so your eyes wouldn't mm. have seen it anyway? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, I think, I think a bit, a bit of both. I would say partly, my mind was music, singing. We're gonna blow. We were doing the garage thing. We were jumping on that. We were, we were just doing everything. We we're like, we're five young guys, six young guys. Like, this is it. We're, we're on it. So, partly, um, me being immersed in that was 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 a part of it. But I do feel like a lot of it was just about access. I remember being at church, and I would write sketches like in minutes just write a sketch and we'd do it like it was it was nothing we'd just yeah. do stuff and perform at church and then I'd try a bit of stand-up and then I'd try a bit of this and then I'd be impersonating the, the the ministers in church and we would just have fun and do it but for me it was just life and I remember a church sister um came to me at the end of a service one day and she said oh man you know you've really got some talent like if, if you don't go to drama school I like I don't know what I don't know what you're doing now for me I had no idea what that even really meant and I was in my late teens maybe early 20s and at that mm. stage of my life I think I probably in my late teens because we were we would have been I would have been maybe studying or maybe at the end of my university phase but I just didn't have the understanding that okay you 
do your drama A level and then maybe you look for and apply to drama school. That just wasn't a thing in my mind because my number one, I didn't come from that kind of home. And it was if I went home and told my parents I was going to drama school, they'd be like, what? <laughs> but also, I just didn't understand the journey and the bridge between college and the next stage of my drama career or my acting career. And I think if if I'd known and maybe had a support system in the school and at home, then I, pro I probably would have dabbled in it a lot earlier. That's what I think. Yeah. For the people. Professionally. Who, yeah. For the, for the people who don't know how the industry works, mm. and I actually include myself in that, yeah, and yeah. even for the people, well, no, for the people who do know, then whatever. But was money an issue though? And I don't mean was money an issue for you, right? Mm. I'm talking about the people that listen to this, yeah. and are listening to this episode. It's like I'm, I'm interested in this field though. Mm. And the reason why I say this, Kala, is because some of my students have found the podcast. So okay, <laughs> they always do, man, bro. You can't hide nothing from your students, <laughs> man. So for the Forget A level it. drama students, yeah. <laughs> listening to this, yeah. Kali, is there? Let's be real on it though. Yeah. Is there is there a financial barrier to being able to yeah. access the next stage? Because I hear drama yeah. A level. I yeah, hear that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. talented youngsters come through the game yeah. in school. Yeah. And you're like, you got some you, mm. you know, you see them in the school production, you're like, rah, mm. there's some serious talent on that stage, yeah. and then they never kick on to nothing. Yeah, is, yeah. is money an issue there? Yeah, I mean, oh, that's such an insightful question, man, because I think that is a barrier, still is in, in many um, ways. And I think that would have been a, a barrier for me then as well. Just the money. Drama school's expensive, man. You're looking mm. at, I mean, I didn't go to an, like a, a full-on, full-time drama school. I went to a part-time when I went to Identity as an, as an older, mature student in my late 30s. But in terms of when I would have done it, it would have been drama school. And that would have been looking at Maybe at the time, I don't know how how much it would have been then, but now you're looking at what thousands a year. I mean, mm. thousands. You can get into sort of 30, 30 grand debt going to drama school for three years, or, or maybe even more. Um, so I think money it, it, it is definitely a barrier because some people don't have the money to go to drama school, man, and um, and it's, it's 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 disappointing. It's a shame. I think now there are more avenues for people to pursue the creative arts where they don't have to go to drama school. There are more part-time schools propping up. There are more schools with affordable rates. There are, obviously there are bursaries and so forth, but there are also just other avenues. People attend workshops now and they mm. kind of curate their own training experience and then enter the industry that way. Or they network and they find, um, they join a theatre um, company, for example. So th there are multiple ways you can still crack into the industry, but I think drama school makes it, it, it lays out a kind of clear pathway of this is this is you know our classical training. These are the things you do in the theatre. You learn all of your techniques. You're in Monday to Friday, nine to five. You're doing all of the shows. So you are when you come out of drama school like Rada or you know Guildhall, you have been prepped for three years to mm -hmm. come out knowing that okay, this is my posture as an actor. This is this is what it's about. There are still gaps. And there are still things that maybe dra traditional drama schools don't teach you about the industry. But so not to kind of get away from the question, essentially money, um, it's an expensive game. Yeah. The route I took when I left um, teaching and when I went to identity, much cheaper. I paid, mm. I don't know, like it was 
a fraction of the cost, like a couple of grand a term or maybe less. Um, and at the time I could afford that. I was an adult. I saved some money, put it aside. So it was an appropriate time. But yeah. um, I got to the point where I had to get to the point where psychologically I was prepared to make that sacrifice and know that, okay, I'm giving this a shot. I'm going to give it two years. And if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to teaching. But I think in my twenties, when I just, just got married, I had my first child, I think I was maybe 28 and then 30 when I had my next child. So my brand paying a mortgage, my brain and my ideology and my values didn't see me scaling back and trying to venture out into a new career. Then financially I would have said, no, it's just mm-hmm. not practical. But my values changed a lot in um, between 20, I don't know, 2014 or 2016 and 2018. Let's unpick that then. Let's let, let's go yeah. there. So the music, piecing together your story, mm. the music and your belief that you could get somewhere with music, that story ends about 26, based on what you're saying, right? Yes, and I did release some independent music. I released a, a project in 2016, and I released a project in 2017, I think, 2018, like a single. But I never really found... I was I was kind of dabbling in 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 the gospel music industry. That's that's the okay. I was in the church for a long time. So that's that's what I knew musically, and I never really saw myself as an artist that could or would venture out and maybe go mainstream. I kind of mm-hmm. sort of had a, had like a niche, yeah. And I think I struggled to work out where I fit into the industry as as an artist. And I think a lot of that was down to what I didn't realize at the time was that I just had so many talents and gifts in my hand that I wanted to use, and I struggled to funnel it all into one place. And yeah. I think when I found the acting and the, then I saw, okay, I started writing, I then found a space where I could explore all of these things that I love doing, but all in kind of one area. Um, mm. So I think with musically, I just didn't really, like I would, I released a project and then I didn't have a follow-up project. I didn't have yeah. a marketing plan. I didn't like understand Mm. really how to navigate and like work with the right people sending stuff to record labels I just didn't really have a team um and maybe I didn't put that in place really I just I just didn't really have 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 that so I think um there were gaps there um but looking back I'm glad for the experience it gave me but I don't actually think in my heart I wanted or would want to be a music artist out and out Mm. yeah even when you watch the voice and all of that stuff bro yeah. even that man i've come close honestly no i've like I, there was one time i think like someone i think on two occasions two separate years i got like an email because you know they send people out to yeah yeah so a couple of producers like emailed me and you know saw a few things on your page would you audition blah blah blah. and i remember getting one one time one one year i had a phone call and then i didn't follow up because i thought it's not for me and then another year um i got close i think i actually arranged to do like a first sort of meeting or audition with like producers and stuff Mm. and then I just said I just have had a thought think about it and that was at the time when I was training and doing my acting training and I just decided that it just wasn't for me man not because I don't respect it or I have anything against it but it just didn't like I think there's something about process and like journey that I really enjoy and whilst there's lots of things I probably could have learned um doing a show like The Voice, for example, and, you know, networks and all that kind of stuff and training and, you know, working with a vocal coach in a band. Great, but I don't know, it just didn't resonate, man. 
Mm, yeah, it didn't resonate. So we, we have to try and tie this story together. Yeah. This is a fascinating conversation, as as, as, as they always are on the game. <laughs> That's uh, it, man. <laughs> obviously, I'm still in the teaching game. I've mm. got my own story, my own journey. But I'm still in the game. You were in the game. I don't want you to talk about because we could do we could have done yeah, a podcast yeah, 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 of teaching. We're not going to do that. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is, I guess, ask you to help people understand how you. Sorry, let me break it down. When you made the decision mm. and how you transitioned away from teaching to acting, because mm. the music. Ultimately, you would have been doing alongside the teaching. So that's you would have right, been, that's right. fair, in fairness, when I watched um, No More Mr. Nice Guy, assuming that that play was written on aspects of yeah, your life, yeah. you were burning the candle at both ends, trying to 100%. do the music, do the teaching, do the marking, killing mm. yourself off. I've been there, bro. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, gosh. So let's Man. almost fast forward past that part to the, the transition to acting. Yes. Okay, Wait, so let me phrase those questions again. When did you know you had to make the decision mm. to, to, to transition out and how did you transition out? Okay, so I made the decision to leave teaching when I started, which is wild because I started my first professional job in 2007. I think I qualified and mm. I said, I'm doing this for no longer than three years. I said, three oh, years. Because I looked at it and I was like, this is a madness. Like, I could see it was going to kill my creativity and I wasn't going to have no energy. I was like, three years. Because I was yeah. always a creative soul. Mm. Then I stayed for 11. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> you know, and enjoyed enjoyed lots and lots of things about it. But fast forward to 2014 when I left my second school and I mm. went to my third school and I did two years as the head of department. And it mashed me up to high heaven. Yeah. I was like, what is this? I was not well, back pain. I think it aged me about seven years. Mm. And I was just like, it just wasn't good. And I got to the point, I think it was at the end of my first year at that school, my third school, I said, I can't do this. So I remember speaking to the head and saying, no, I can't, I've, like, I can't do this. I can't stay. She said, please, please, please. We had a talk. She kind of offered me a nice little sweetened deal. And I was like, oh, I stayed for another year. Mm. And then by the end of that year, we was hitting 2016. And I decided this is because in that. So after my first year at that first school, I did go down to four days. Yeah, I went down to four days and I was like, OK, cool. In that 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 fifth day where I just had off, I didn't really do a lot creatively, but I just had time and space again, bro. Yeah, and I, yeah. I could think again. And some of the ideas I'd have on the train, on the commute started to like make sense. And I was like, OK, this is I've got room and just capacity yeah. to think. And I'm not drained the same way I was. And I worked more effectively. I was like, I was I was a better teacher than I ever was, I think, working yeah. less less time. So in the second year of that, that 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 school, that third school, I got to the end of that year and I decided it's time to leave. I was done with the money. I was like, you know, by then I'd already started doing courses and just making myself uncomfortable and trying things. And then acting, I did randomly. I was going to do a master's. I said, I'm leaving. I want to do a master's. And like, master's that's in it. what? I was going to do a master's in like digital media. Okay. Cause that was my degree, my degree. Yeah. So then I, I ended up going back to my old school for another couple of years, but I went back uh, two and a half days and then two days. And oh, I got God. to the, no, no. can I stop? stop. Yes. Yes. Sorry, sorry to shit, but I have to help the people. Yes. Um, Cause I, your story makes sense to me. Yes. Cause I've course. been in the teaching game, but I have to, <laughs> yes. I have to help the people. 
first when you go down to four. Yeah. And then obviously when you then go down to two and a half when you leave to the next back to your old school. Mm. Talk me through though, because there will, again, I assume there will be people listening to this thinking along these kind of lines. Mm. Boy, I want to try and do X, but mm. how do I transition out of my job? It's not okay. going to be easy. I'm frightened. I'm scared. Mm. Finances, etc. Right? Mm. How did the conversation go with your partner when you? Because mm. there would have been conversations going on in the background. Who was your circle, Kali? Who was your confidant mm. who mm. helped you process that decision making? That mm. you know what? Obviously, your partner, but it may have been a bigger circle. Where like you mm. know what? This is mm. the right thing for you to do. Take that leap of faith. Talk me through. Mm. Yeah, so definitely my wife. Um, we've been married 15 years now. So she, at that time, we were married for quite a while. We had to add our two kids. And I think a lot in life changed. We started a company called Love. Well, my wife founded a company called Love Literacy. And I started to work as a co-director in that company. And I think I saw another way. And mm. I, I realized that, okay, we don't have to... Like there's there's other ways that we can make money and we can use our talents. And I went to a course which was about um it was a Guardian masterclass. And I went to a course, it was about building a portfolio career. And it spoke mm. a lot about changing your relationship with money and just realizing that it's about having multiple things that you can do and using all of your strength, like building your life around your strengths. Yeah. So I started to go started to think, okay, so what 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 I saw in my head and didn't have a name for it was this thing about this portfolio career. I knew I love variety. I could do lots of things. So maybe there's a way that I can make more money if I just have more streams and not throw everything on all of my energy into one place. Mm. So I started to do that. Whether it was like mainly through Love Literacy uh, and the company that, that that my wife had founded, and then um, I realized okay, there's if I leave teaching, I can do some supply. So in that like final two years of my teaching career I just started saving money I think I saved about 11 grand at the time and I was like okay cool that's gonna that that can we can with my wife and what she was earning and me having like some money saved and also planning to still do a little bit of freelance or a bit of um uh, supply if I wanted to I knew that I could cope for a couple of years or like a year and a half before needing to like go back to work and get a job full time so it was a mixture of definitely going on the courses and I just started to meet people that were different from the bubble that I was in when you're, you're yeah. working in a school five days a week I was just I was talking to teachers I was talking to students which was fantastic but no one you're really understood the world you're not seeing no the world. no yeah. I was in a bubble yeah. so when I was started to branch out and travel into London and just meet people from all walks of life it just challenged my thinking and I thought gosh there's so much more to do and I realized what I re what I realize now, um, and what I perhaps didn't have a name for then was like I had a strong mindset, but I mm. didn't have, I had a weak imagination. So okay. I knew my mind was strong, and I knew that I could, like I could, um, work really hard, and I could make money, and I could make streams, and I could do well if I put my hands to something. But I didn't imagine more for my life. So I I imagined my success and my 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 options to a point, if that makes to mm. a ceiling. And yeah. I think that's what I try and tell a lot of young people I talk to now and just anyone really is about the mindset is great. Growth imagination is great. But I think what's even more effective is to have a growth imagination, which yes. imagines more for your life than, um, mm -hmm. than we sometimes even think we can, you know, venture into. Um, so, yeah, it, it basically got to a point where um, with all of the courses I was doing and me feeling uncomfortable and challenged again, 
I decided that, okay, it's time to do this master's when I was leaving my final school. I was on two two days. And then my wife said to me one day, um, she was talking to me and I, I found a, like an audition for this drama school. And I realized, oh, there's a, there's a part-time drama school that you can attend. I didn't know that was a thing. So I decided to apply for this audition just randomly. But it, there was a kernel in me probably knowing that this was always something I've always wanted to do, but just thought yeah. that's not for me because you can't make money like that. Yeah. So I went along to this audition. Um, I got a place in the school. I would have had to have paid for the fees, obviously. And I remember speaking to my wife and her saying, are you sure you want to do this master's? Because I was like, okay, I'm doing the master's like that. That's it. Oh, so you were yeah. on the path to the master's? Yeah, bro. I was oh, like, I'm doing so these master's. Even, you weren't, so when you were doing your two and a half days, etc. It was, you weren't initially in the, I'm going to go act. No, I was just like, I'm oh, leaving snap, teaching right, okay. to just like do something else. I'm going to do consultancy, right. maybe start doing video editing, you know, freelance. Yeah. I had no um, idea that I'd be acting. So, so what piqued yeah. your interest when you saw the ad for the drama school, what was the thing that said, you know what, let me, let me go see that. What, what was the thing? You know what? It goes right back to your what, first God's question, plan? bro. Well, like, God's it? plan, bro. You, you asked me, you said, right, when I walk into you, you said, who, 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 who is Carla Janelle? And mm. I think seeing that advert, it spoke to who I was. Mm. Because we can't hide from who we are, right? It's yeah. like it's always there. No matter, we try and run from it because m most of the time, I feel like I was running from other people's opinions or other people's perceptions of what is a proper career or mm. just trying to please everyone else, basically. Yeah, and yeah. that is why I always ran away from any idea of me doing this for what me, what acting and creating and being on stage and write full time. Like, is that, can I do, can I, re, is that for me? Yeah. And I think when I saw it and I was like, oh, because I knew I wouldn't go to a full time drama school because mm. I had children, I had a mortgage five days a week was not happening. I was like, I haven't got the time for it. Like I'm 30, mm. I was 36 at the time. I was like, yeah, that's not happening for me right now. But when I saw the part-time one and I realised it was the school, I think like John Boyega went there and Letitia yeah, Wright yeah. and I saw faces that looked like me. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe this is a place where I can just find myself. And I actually went just to um, learn more about, I said I was going because I wanted to write my own stuff and just write my own work. And I thought, let me learn a bit about myself and just throw myself and be a sponge, be uncomfortable again. Lo and behold, the bug just caught me, man. When I was in the school, it just grabbed a hold of me and arrested my heart. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Was there an age fear? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that was probably why I went in going, I'm going to go in just to learn about myself and write. I didn't, I still didn't see that I was going there to somehow become an actor. I thought yeah. I'm going to, you know, be behind the scenes and sort of do what the, the, the big man them do, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I got there, there, there was because I, I went in as this teacher in this this reputation of controlling a class, and I was I was the oldest in the class, bro. Like everyone was twenty four. I think mm. the oldest person under me was maybe thirty two or maybe thirty four max. I was mm. I was pushing thirty seven, and I was like, gosh, man, this is this is a long. bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, this is <laughs> long, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> but, but, but in fairness, do you know what that sounds like, though, as well? Mm. And I could be completely going down the wrong tree here, but that smacks to me of to, 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 in, to take it all in mm. and to see it for what it was, you would, have had, you would have had to, A, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah. B, lose any kind of ego 
oh about I'm a big man to be in this. So, yeah. <laughs> <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So does that speak to the experience that you had to kind Bro, of just hundred percent strip away everything and say, you 100%. know what, let me just experience this for what it is. One hundred percent. I I feel like I went in there and I became a blank canvas. I literally had to strip away all of the inhibitions, all my habits, all of the like locked things that all of the creative parts of me that I kept locked away as a teacher. Mm. Because even as a teacher, there were times when I wouldn't even release things or like my music on YouTube because mm. I was so afraid of, no, but I'm a teacher. And if the kids, you know, we we, I, we came through in a time where te you don't go on online yeah, and do yeah. stuff then. It was, it was early days, the early formations of online yeah. culture so i we didn't know how to navigate it and schools were afraid of it so mm. i just I, I was afraid of that and i was afraid of putting myself out there so i always stayed quite conservative and you know just modest and going to drama school where they were just forcing me to come out of my shell and to say what i was really thinking and to kind of you know find the truth of a scene or to mm. be vulnerable and open to a partner and connect with people and be make mistakes and like deal with the ugly stuff and that was challenging man we had you know mm. movement classes and voice class and it was stretching me physically as well and learning new things and techniques and it definitely was a humbling experience and it definitely taught me I think it made me a better listener it made mm. me a better husband man because it was it was teaching me about what it means to actually listen to my family and mm. have a conversation where I'm open um, a lot of that came and a lot of those kind of inhibitions started to just fall off still a journey don't get me wrong still things that i'm shaving off but it massively transformed my entire way of thinking and just the way i carried myself that what year was that 20 that was 2018 yeah i was i was there i was at identity from 2018 to 2019 before i booked my first job right my so first you, big job you can see where i'm going then because yeah. from 2018 by Oh boy, we haven't even spoken about the pandemic. I don't even know if we're going to get. Ah, I don't know if we're going to. Get yeah, that, that two years. That. That's a blip. That's a blip. <laughs> but from 2018 to 20, mm. in 2020, I think early 2020 or early, late 2019, actually, maybe mm. you got the Book of Mormon gig. Correct. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I booked Book of Mormon. That's, yeah. That's that's a wild. That's a, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, I'm trying to yeah, word that, it's that's a, yeah. that's a journey. That's yeah, a yeah. It's journey, mad, bro. You know? Mad, um, it's mad, and bro. listen, don't don't feel like you have to humble yourself with this one. You're allowed to you're allowed to big yourself up here. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. Did you go from what were the steps? How did you mm. go from 2018? I'm just jumping in the game just to mm. maybe see what it's like to 2019. Mm. You're on Book of Mormon, and I apologize. Mm. I never got to see. I've still never seen. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, theater production, but I don't know how you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you shorten this story, but how did you make yeah. that leap so quick? Yeah, man. So I was, I trained hard, man. Like at drama school, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to be a sponge here. I was involved. I, I like, I, I was, a, I decided to be the class president. I thought, let me just throw myself in. Like when they had extra courses, I was, I was there. Mm. I just threw myself into every opportunity to learn what I could. And also I started to realize, okay, it's about also, being like present in the moment and in and just like sucking the orange juice out of this this thing mm. so i i really embraced the journey there and i think that just led to obviously it led to my agent which was a, one of the the school showcases my agent came through the school because they have an agency so then that happened in july or august of 20 
19 and then I started auditioning yeah just all some auditions came through again it was all relatively new new in terms of auditioning for theatre and stage and, and whatnot and I yeah the Book of Mormon came up and I guess because I'd had the training ground in church and in that group for 13 mm. years singing every week I could already sing yeah. like I could wake up and sing like with my eyes closed that wasn't a, that wasn't a problem um I didn't have two left feet. I could move, but I wasn't a trained dancer. Um, but I was fit. I was in shape. And obviously I had the acting training behind me and the physicality. And, you know, I really, I really um, excelled in those areas. So with those combined skills, um, and I guess just, just being like a decent person, really. Like I think mm. you find when you get into those spaces, a lot of it is people, they tend to employ people that of course have talent, but people they want to work with every day. Yeah. And I remember doing that audition process. We had, I think it was seven auditions. Oh my gosh, it was brutal. The yeah. hardest thing I've ever done when we started the show and started preparing for it. But yeah, lo and behold, yeah, um, by God's grace, somehow I, I booked a West End show and that was my first proper professional gig. So it was like a real baptism by fireman. And that started 2020. Yeah. So, so, so before I continue, first things first. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Round of applause. <laughs> Round of <laughs> Thank applause you. For the dirty. But um, do you know what? Before I touch on that proper, proper, yeah. we have to, because it's important for people to understand, you don't just get there by chance and by luck. No. You would have faced some rejections <clears throat> along the way. So <clears throat> talk to me. Pick. You might want to pick one story, but <clears throat> okay, so you, you do, you, you, you go to drama, part-time drama school, <clears throat> you, you embrace everything, you soak up everything <clears throat> you possibly can. Then you go for some auditions and then you get rejected. Talk me through mm. the, the first few times or a particular time where you've been rejected. And because you're new in the field, how mm. did it affect you? Was it, yes. was okay. it, boy, was it a boy, I'm no good at this? Mm. Did Or did you take from it just a, well, you know, there's lessons to be learned from that. I'll take that into the next one. Because with respect, you got into the game late. So mm. yeah. you, don't, you don't have the from school drama yes, professional right. drama school background here mm. so how did you process that or did your real life experience from other jobs mm. help you that's really interesting yeah so I was always used to getting like doing quite well when I went to interviews and like coming out and like booking a job and and that was my teaching career it was like yeah boom like I can do this I knew that and you know what? This is this actually mad because I, I didn't I, I forgot to mention this, but my first proper audition was Hamilton, and that was that was before I started acting training. So I was working in my last school, and Hamilton had just come to the UK, and my friend was like, we were in love with the show. I was following the show, and he's like, you should go along. I was like, mm, really? He said, no, yeah, you sing, you rap. Like, mm. didn't have any training, but I was like, cool. Well, I didn't have any training past A level, but it'd been years. And I went along to, I, I remember sending in, I think like my picture, like a, a, a random picture he took of me. And I think I might've sent in some videos of me, like some videos of me singing. And I got invited to an audition. And I was like, this is crazy. I booked what time, but they gave me time off work. And I was like, yeah, let me just go down and like, just see what this is about. Let me do and a ting. Let me do a ting. <laughs> that is exactly that. Let me do a ting. I went down to the audition and I remember singing a song and I, it was all relatively new to me. Didn't get back to me didn't like know what was going on um and I didn't what I didn't understand about the industry then is that actually you don't always hear back when you don't get a job so I didn't understand that and I remember thinking like what's going on and obsessing and I remember just feeling heartbroken man right. when I when I didn't hear and it, even though I was relatively we'd say I was essentially just green and just trying yeah. to ting but I was just heartbroken and I was like ah oh, 
I just this show like it I felt like I, I'd seen a show that if I was ever going to do any kind of acting I would be in this show and that's it that's yeah. all I would do I'd do that and yeah. I can say look I've done it that and that was just heartbreaking for me man I remember just feeling so desperately heartbroken for days mm. Mm. yeah and I think part of it was probably just not being prepared for rejection and since then oh my gosh I've got a whole database full of rejections, bro. <laughs> I, I track my auditions like all on a, a spreadsheet. I've got a whole database with all of the rejections. And now it's a part of, it's in the muscle. It's part of the job. You're like, cool, move on to the next one. There are times when it does get you and it's like, it, you know, quiet periods and you go, okay. And you start asking yourself questions. But how I manage myself is to know that, okay, I've, I am enough. I bring what I brought to, 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 to the game, but also to keep, to keep fresh, man, still training, going on workshops, trying my hand at other things. Um, but yeah, that Hamilton one, that one for me, I don't think I felt... That stung a, you. Yeah, I don't think I felt as stung as that. But you know what? Hamilton's going to come back again, you know? <laughs> yeah, bro, listen, listen, bro. And the, the mad thing is, it, it like, it has done since, bro. Like, I've been in, I think I did, like, a, I, I did, like, another audition for it. I, when I was, after I was trained, I got, like, mm. to, like, the second round, and then I did... Um, they weren't looking for a particular character because I really wanted like Burr. And I said oh. to myself, after after um doing the the Book of Mormon, I said to myself, for me to do the West End again, eight shows a week with kids and the family, I just mm. thought I need to do the West End if I'm going in to really throw myself into something that I'm like, I really believe in this and what I'm doing. Yeah. And like it's just his meaty. Do you know what I mean? Not that you know, being in an ensemble is a meaty thing. Like, this is no joke thing. But I just felt like once I did the Book of Mormon and had that experience, I thought if I do the West End again, it has to be something that is like, okay, this is what I really want to do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, I've just... Hamilton's always... It's like, a, it's, for me, it's like the ex that just kind of keeps on returning. <laughs> Every time the auditions come out, I'm like, mm. I think the last couple of times I said to my agent, you know what, don't put me forward because I'm not sure if I want to do West End. And there are times when my heart goes... Oh, I don't know, Hamilton. So I think I'm kind of past that phase now because now yeah. I'm focusing more on screen and writing and like my own right. stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think that's where my focus has shifted. Mm. So you, it's as it's as if you knew the segue I was about. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what? And it sounds weird. I might skip over COVID. I shouldn't. No, I no, shouldn't it's all good, because bro. Because mm. it's part of the story. But at the same time, yeah, the segue works nicely here. Hundred so, percent, man. You do West End, mm. and then you're doing more bits and pieces. You, um, some Netflix shows thrown in there as well. Yeah, yeah, some commercials. Yeah, show, yeah, yeah, some commercials. But then this is this this to me now speaks more to you because mm -hmm. again, and this is how I this is I guess me reflecting on how I personally know you. Mm. Was it more important for you to find your own voice? Mm -hmm. like and and if it was at what stage did you start to because if you think about the the trajectory mm. of this whole conversation this whole podcast episode you start off writing music as a as a kid singing mm. music as mm -hmm. a kid mm -hmm. doing your own thing as mm. a kid into a young man through school um gospel group etc so you're mm. already used to writing you have a voice mm. at what point in the acting game do you say but you know what I, I got something to say for me. Mm. Me, I can write mm. stuff. And mm. I guess what I'm saying is, how do we transition into No More Mr. Nice Guy? How does mm. that story come about? Yeah. You write your own piece and eventually go to 
starring yeah. your own piece. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, th I think I always intrinsically knew, um, and I liken it to like a, a puzzle, really. And I think now I see how all of the things I did back in the past kind of relate to what I'm doing now. And I've always created my stuff and I've always said to my wife, I want to create my own stuff. And when I went to drama school, one of the key things was I want to create my own stuff. Um, and I remember doing a module where we were writing and we were kind of had an opportunity to really explore some of that. And I think when I was at drama schools, when the first monologue for No More Mr. Nice Guy happened, it the, the, the big one that I released it like a video for and that kind of kicked it all off. That was like a 10 minute sitting. And I mm. set my timer for 10 minutes and it just came pouring out based on this experience I had. And I thought, okay, this, this is something. Mm. Um, and I think sort of making that transition, kind of having all of the training and going to drama school and being in rooms and on stages and just kind of soaking in vibes from writers and creatives. I just started to think, okay, I, I do have something to say. And then once I linked with Neville Reich and that competition and all that, and that obviously that was kind of during the lockdown, I think mm. that link up there was instrumental because it gave me, like a, um, it gave me a family of creatives that kind of yeah. were able to nurture what I had and say, okay, well, this is how you can navigate the 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 world as a writer. I kind I kind of then had a pathway. I was like, okay, I see. You need a producer, and then you need to obviously mm -hmm. write a first draft, and then you, if you work with an organisation, they can sit you down and have a writing room where you go in an R and D and you develop your piece. They interrogate you, and it went through so many drafts, man, and so many like stages. And I did a thirty minute version in june of 2021 i think mm. and that was shortly after i got my arts council funding to develop my creative practice so i started just kind of putting myself out there and applying, applying for funding and um linking with theaters and i think that 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 connection with nouveau Riche in 2020 was really instrumental because ryan and the team from there really kind of gave me the they helped me to see mm. the way i could use my writing and connect with theatres and get it into a space. And then once that started happening, it just kind of one opportunity kind of opens maybe another door or puts you, puts me in front of more people. And then of course, auditioning for other projects and people starting to go, oh, I saw you in that. And also, so you were doing your own thing as well. And it's kind of grow, my, my network has started to grow organically in, in that regard. I think as I go from project to project, I'm meeting more people and they're ending up in more rooms and building more relationships with people right. from all parts of the industry. Um, and yeah, now I think my focus is, we're now at the stage where we're going, okay, we've did a five day run, sold out CP, uh, Camden People's Theatre. They supported the piece and they were fantastic. Took it mm. to a festival and that was out of my comfort zone. But again, it was me connecting with more people. And now we're looking at- Oh, is, okay, this, is this since the this five day is, run? No, this is this was just before the five day run. I okay, did. Yeah. I took it to like a twenty minute version of it to a to a festival um, mm -hmm. outside of London, and then um, now we're at the stage where we're going. Okay, what next? So we're now having those conversations with theaters and with producers, right. and we're looking at okay. what's happening next year. Exactly. That's kind of right. where we're at with it. Yeah, literally this so, week uh, we start so, talking about it. So let me fill <clears> the people <throat> them in on. So I went to watch Kelly on one of those five sold out days at Camden People's Theatre for his one mm. one man show no more mr nice guy it's a shame Kalai, because obviously we're recording this and i want to be able to say and of course you can watch it yeah 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 <laughs> but listen and i mean this truly i say this honestly i'm not just saying it to gas you up man it was wicked um, thank you man and 
I think afterwards when we all met up, obviously members of Music Football Fatherhood were there as mm. well. Yeah. And Cole Ian was there. Mm. And after we met up um, to kind of just catch up and, you know, group mm. hug and give your, mm, give mm, your mm. flowers, etc. I, I think I said to your agent, your agent was there. Yes, the that's right. Was, yeah, your agent was yeah, the yeah. lady, right? Yeah, that's right, Nina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I can't remember her name. Yeah, and she yeah. was there. And the one thing I said to you was, this could be in a much bigger stage. This could be yeah, on a I much remember that. bigger, bigger that. Uh, platform than with yeah. respect to Camden People's yeah. Theatre. Um, I, I know you can't give away the game, but um, mm. what... what hmm, it's weird because Book of Mormon probably was the moment you thought, I'm I'm validated. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for yeah. me, mm. I felt that moment for you watching No More, Mister Nice Guy. One hundred percent. That was your own one hundred percent. And it wasn't just it wasn't just friends and family coming to watch because you know how the theater world goes. Yeah, just come to watch theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And listen, five sold out days is no me. They can't all just be mm. your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, that's a lot of friends. Was <laughs> yeah. And in fact, in fact, tell the people because you. I want you to pick yourself up. Yeah, that man. didn't start out as a five-day run. No, it started out as a three-day run. Yeah, it was three days, and then some happy accident. They had some extra slots, and tickets were selling well anyway. And they mm. said, you know, what? What are your thoughts? Should we? We could give you this slot on the, the Thursday and the Friday. No, sorry, the Friday and the Saturday. It was meant to be Tuesday to Thursday, and at that point, we'd maybe had significant amount of tickets sold for maybe the Thursday and some mm. tickets sold across like Tuesday and Wednesday. And then pff, bro, man, it just went mad. And mm. just, we'd got on the marketing and stuff and people just bought tickets, man, before we knew it, like it sold out before the show started. Um, yeah. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was, pff, yeah. I, I mean, nothing compares to doing my own work on the stage. You're so right. And I think doing the Book of Mormon and when I got my first TV role, I was always going, gosh, I want to get my first TV credit. That came. Then I was like, okay, this isn't it. Oh, I did, I did West End. Oh, okay, that's not it. And I realised that no one really cares about any of that stuff anyway. People are like, okay, well, who, who, how did you make me feel when I met you? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for me, do it, like bringing my own work on the stage, which like comes from my heart, man, nothing can compare to that, man. When you saw that you'd sold out five, yeah, I mean by that stage you're three years deep in the acting game. Yeah, you include drama school, right? Yeah. Um, did it bring nerves for you? Were there nerves, or are you, or are you too deep in it now to feel the feel the nerves? Yeah, I think I was so in it. I think I was so immersed at that point. It's like the point of no return. Mm. I was like, well, I have to go on and like it, this show has to bang. Do you know what I mean? Like it has to do well like and I, I do love challenges and I think I like I do believe in what I bring and I think because it, again because it was my own work there's something about just the ownership we have over the thing that we're doing yeah. you know like my heart and soul was in that so I just knew that I had to hold that with great care I had a great team um, of people that work with me you know Fez the co-composer Edward Dina the director Amy on the lighting, Phyllis on the on sorry, Amy on the Amy on the lighting, Phyllis on the costume design, the support in the variation CPT. You know, the support was there and the mechanisms were there. But I had I had this monologue written from like 2019 or 2020 or when it, whenever it was, 2019. Mm. So I knew that, you know what? Yeah, this is the point of no return. Like we're sold out. And I think it gave me somewhat of an impetus, actually. I was like, yeah, like let's go. 
Do you know what I mean? It was like, okay, let's go. Like people have invested and they're, they're going to make an effort to leave their homes and come and see what I've got to, to say. And people don't just give you their attention. It's like, I think people's time and their attention is precious. So yeah. if someone's going to give me their time, they're going to pay money to give me their time, then I owe it to them. It's incumbent upon me to bring my game. And I had to throw, it was, and again, like you knew, you knew I threw everything at it, my singing, my, my spoke, all of my passions I could put into one thing and it all started to make sense. Ah, this is how I can be a creative mm. artist. Do you know so, what I mean? So like check, it made sense. So check this now. Let me try and let me try and get you to get emotional. <laughs> so, uh, so um I think I went on the night where your parents were there. I swear. Mm, I think mm. it was Was it a Thursday? I think it was. Yeah, the Thursday. It was, yeah, yeah, it, was yeah. it was, it was Thursday. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. right. My mum and dad were there. My mum my, my siblings um, as well. Yeah, your 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 wife, some of them, yeah. Kid. In fact, basically yeah, everybody, your immediate. Oh my gosh, my friends, the friends night. I grew up with singing in my group, they yeah. were there, and the, I think that's why I'm making this point because it felt like not, not I'm not saying because I was happened to be there, but it, that night felt I don't know, you know, I just kind of felt you felt it right. There was something felt, in the room, I felt yeah. a vibe that night, yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, I just wonder because this speaks to. Any, this could be anything. This could be mm. you might be a footballer, you might be I don't know um, uh, a top designer. But mm. I'm always intrigued about those kind of nights where you have you look out now at the end. You're doing the curtain call. Everybody's there now. All your people mm. from day your day ones, yeah. the people who raised you, um, mm. your own your own uh, kids, etc. Your wife. Was there? Do you have? Did you? Because I felt it for you. But did you get a sense where you're like? Not that I've made it. I don't think that's the point I'm making, but mm. almost like this was the journey. This yes. I found I found where I was supposed to be going. Yeah. Did yeah, it, it was yeah. It was a very significant checkpoint for me. And mm. I was like, I think I remember saying to my wife um, Zara around that time that okay, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Like I was mm. like, yeah. If if I was if there was ever any doubt about where I sit as a creative and what my passions are, this for me was it. I was like, this is what I'm, I can breathe this. I can live, I can do this for free. Like I would wake up and do this again tomorrow for no money. Like it was that, that was a really significant moment for me. And I just knew that, okay, I wouldn't say like, I don't want to, you know, without sounding cheesy and so, you know, finding my purpose, but in terms of my creative calling, mm. I was like, yeah, this is, this is the, the dust this is where it sits like i found something that that week but that night in particular because mm. in the room the energy was like like you it was you could taste it man it was yeah, just yeah, very charged yeah. it was very yeah. charged and even though i couldn't see everyone that was in i mean i take my glasses off i can't see for whatever but i think i might have had them on but even still <laughs> i couldn't see anyone but i just knew that this room is full of like people and energy that are rooting for me mm. and it was just oh my gosh man it was incredible man incredible night so <clears throat> when we're, we're near in the end and mm. i'll say i'll say it again at the end but thank you so much man for, for this conversation oh, it's been illuminating pleasure. as i expected but um recently earlier this year i can't even remember the month now i feel like it was two months ago maybe three mm. months ago i also had the opportunity to watch you in um samskara i think yes. it was at the yard Yes. Yeah. Yes, the yard theater. Yeah, in Hackney Wick. Yeah. Mm. And for those who haven't seen it, I'm just going to read the blurb for that particular mm. show. Four generations of black men are trying to understand themselves in a world that tells them that they have to be strong. 
They tell their stories, their bodies inter inter intertwine. They move for themselves and for one another, inspired by real-life testimonies. Samskara is an explosive fusion of movement, hip-hop, dance, and text. An, an, an exploration of black masculinity, vulnerability, and the cycles of fatherhood. Moving through joy and suffering, laughter and longing. This soul-bearing odyssey by award-winning artist Lamre Malalu is an ode to what is meant what it means to be a black man in Britain today. Now listen, you mm. see that show there? Mm. I'm not putting Mad. it above your own show. I'm Mad. not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna put it above your own show. But that show, and maybe I'm saying it as a black man, I don't know, but that took me to places that show. Yes, it does, and, man. But you know, <laughs> here's the funniest thing that I'm gonna say about it. That show took me to places, but you see when I watched you in that one, the mm. first thing that was going through my head at the end was, hell, I must be tired, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know how many people ask me, boy, brother. brother. Listen, this acting thing ain't, is, is no joke, you know. Right, I was seeing uh, pure movement on stage from start yeah. to finish. Yeah. There's me with my, with my 30 plus year old knees. I'm like, my knees, my knees were, were begging me to, bro, that show was challenging, man. It was on so many levels, even during the rehearsal process, I played a character called Wisdom and he was an older guy setting his ways. And it took me a long time to find him and even, mm. or find my version of him and pull him from within me. And even up until like the last week of the show, I was finding and discovering things and it just opened me up. It took me to a completely new level as a performer. Mm. And Lanray, that's down to Lanray and the team on 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 the job that you know, and the writing, the show itself, and the guys that are the beautiful souls that I was on stage with. But the show, man, just personally and and creatively, professionally, like I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I was meant to, I, I auditioned for it in 2021, and for mm. whatever reason, like we didn't didn't materialize, didn't happen, and then came back for it and did the run that happened in April was it April? no it's June it's June yeah June to yeah, July yeah. and it just my gosh man the movement the what they what the the depth of truth that we had to pull out from mm, the piece from mm. beginning to end it really stretched me yeah 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 it stretched me man vocally my gosh mm. just everything everything so just out of interest just on the last bit on that Pete on yeah. that particular show <clears throat> Because I'm glad you, and you've made reference to it. How do you find the voice? You can find mm. your own voice. I know how you find yeah. your own voice. And I say that as a teacher who has mm. to perform in front of the kids. I know mm. to find my own voice. How do you, what is the technique to find the voice of a character mm. that may not, okay, yeah, wisdom and thinking back to the show. He was, he was kind of like an old school Jamaican almost. In some yeah, way. Caribbean man. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yes, there was some link you could tap into, but it wasn't you. That's right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So how, mm. what, do you do anything special to find the character and find the voice? Do you have to immerse yourself? Mm. In yeah, I think so. It starts with, I mean, there's so many techniques you could use, but everyone, every actor finds their technique or a mixture of techniques they've learned in school, for example, mm. and you find your own versions. Um, which is what I do essentially. But I think a lot of it started with number one, getting off book and learning the lines and mm. just really understanding what the text is saying. And I think honoring the text first is the key thing, really breaking it down. A lot of research kind of, we, I mean, we watched stuff in the rehearsal process. We watched um, like a documentary called, I can't even remember what it was called now, but um, we watched a lot of, a lot of like text and like interviews to really just 
get into the psyche of certain mentalities and you know mm. look at learning about the soil and all that stuff and then just personally i had to spend a lot of time sitting with these words and what i felt this character meant to me and i guess in many ways rather than me trying to create a character i had to i knew that he was a guy that i'd grown up with and knew from whether yeah. it's my dad or my uncle or the man then that my dad used mm. to you know be around um when i grew up in hackney so i knew who this guy was but I almost had to find who I would have been if I was this guy, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think that was really interesting. I remember having a moment on a bus after rehearsal and people just kind of pushing around. There was a kid in front. I was like, you know, there's a kid in front, right? And I was like, oh, it's wisdom. Stop, stop. Because <laughs> that's, that's not me. That's not my personality. Do you know what I mean? But it was just kind of finding who yeah. he was inside of me and bringing it out. And I think that was my way of doing it. So I had ownership and it didn't feel like I was kind of playing a caricature yeah yeah yeah. and then that's yeah. where the truth comes because it's 90 percent personality and mm. then 10 kind of you know craft and technique i guess or i don't know what percentage but yeah so Kelly, let's yeah let's let's try bring this one to a close and, yeah, and i'm hoping the people listening are like what do you mean bring it to a close and <laughs> we want a part two if you bring it to a close that's but it on a, on a serious one let's try let's try bring this one to a close so yeah I like to say to guests who come on, the game is a game that um, the whole point of this podcast almost is about hearing the journey in different mm. professional fields, yours as an actor, yeah. and on picking kind of pitfalls you've had to overcome. How do you get to where you got? And I, I said to you before, before Press and Record, you're so much closer to your final form. You're not complete. No way. Mm. There's so much. I'm saying it as your, as your friend that I can mm. even feel the creativity just coming through the screen as we're recording mm. now. There's mm. so much more elements of your creativity to explore, mm. but you are much closer to mm. where your final form is supposed to be. So mm. I guess as a way to finish, what would you say, looking back in hindsight now, out over the whole journey and somebody who's listened to you and listened to the gems that you dropped, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd probably drop not drop sorry the biggest piece of advice you probably give to someone listening to this in terms of them trying to find their final form in relation to one mm. life because mm. there is a life aspect to this but yeah, also yeah, yeah. Within the acting field mm. yeah so, you might want to ruminate on that first <laughs> yeah 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 give me like 10 seconds yeah so i can only really go back to one of my personal mantras that has been a mantra for a very long time um which the first time i heard it, it was it was written in a book by the late miles monroe like a motivational speaker and minister and preacher and he's he's he's, he's, he's his mantra was live full and die empty <clears throat> mm. and the reason why that resonated with me so strongly is because he gave this analogy about the richest place in the world is actually the graveyard because in the graveyard, so many people take unwritten books and hospitals or um, cu m miracle cures or mm. songs that were never written and so forth. And I think there was something about that analogy that really stuck with me for mine. Since when, from I heard it aged what, 24, maybe mm. it just stayed with me. And I knew I was a person with all of these things in my hand. And I was like, OK, with all of the imposter syndrome and the inhibitions that came with it, I kind of had to find 
Like, what was my superpower? What was my superpower that I was not prepared to take to the grave? How can I live full? And I think if I could encourage anyone, I would say as, as an actor, if I could speak specifically as an actor, I would say it is about finding your superpower because I believe that even though we have a similar set of skills when we're in a particular field, no one has the unique combination of skills in the way that you have them that mm. I have them and someone else does. And I think there's something about acknowledging that, owning that and going, okay, this is who I am and accepting who I am and being my, like unapologetically being myself and, and not allowing the ideas of anyone else <laughs> to turn me into anything else, but being unapologetically and authentically myself that sets you up as a, as a creative and an actor to either be successful whatever that means because i think mm. success means different things right but to successfully pursue the journey because it's yeah. never the destination it's yes. always a journey and and i think look if, if if we're never if we never feel like we're being ourselves or authentically using the things that are in us to create what we want to create then we're never i like which i just i just don't know if anyone can ever really be satisfied with that because we don't we're always trying to look for something that someone else wants it's like well what, what is it i want yeah. do you know what i mean who do i want yeah. to be as a performer and i think that if that makes any sense as a creative i think it was something along those lines finding myself in who i was but not allowing um not squandering my gifts yeah i mm. didn't want to take them to the grave man so i just it's like live like letting everything in me come out writing acting singing whatever it is um that was a long answer <laughs> no, no, to listen. a simple question, but <clears throat> a, 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 an answer that provided mm. a depth of mean a depth of meaning that people can work with and go away on, yeah, go away with and think on for yeah, themselves. something to chew on, yeah, one hundred percent. Listen, Kalai, yes, brother. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you, the man. Game it's been is a the pleasure, game. bro. Um, we've been we. I finally got it over the line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm messaging you a while back. Yes. But you know what? Good things come to those who wait. And um, mm. before you go, Kalai, let's ju I just want to make sure that anybody, we don't, <clears throat> and this is the thing, Kalai, this is a piece of advice I always give to people. You never know who's listening. Mm, true, you never, man. ever know who's true. listening. For all true. I know, Kalai, for all you know, some big movie producer. Mm, <laughs> true, that, true, that. It's true. And next thing you know, you're getting a, you're getting hit yeah, up from true. someone. No, <laughs> it's true, man. So, listen, please give people the best way to find you. Yeah. Um, contact you with regards to yeah. work you've done or mm. what you're going to be doing. Okay, wonderful. So, Twitter is um, a great place to f keep up to date with what I'm doing. My Twitter handle is at john l1 so just at j-o-n-e-l and then the number one j-o-n-j-o-n-e-l one that's on twitter i update on there and i also use my instagram a, a bit as well to just kind of put stuff up and what i'm up to and my instagram handle should be john l1 but it's not it's cal john l so it's at cal john l c-a-l-j-o-n-e-l um i do have a website which now i know i need to update because that's where i think the out of date bio's from um, but yeah, that's just um, kalaijonel.com, C-A-L-I-J-O-N-E-L.com. And everything is on those platforms. Um, so I'm going to be keeping stuff up to date and letting people know what I'm doing. I've just joined a writer's lab at Soho Theatre. So I'll be definitely tweeting about that on my, on my, on my Twitter. 
Excellent. You've just given the yeah. answer because I was just about to say, what can we look forward to? Um, yes. Have you got something up your sleeve that you're not allowed to tell us? Basically, are we going to be able to <laughs> watch you in something very soon? That's all I want to basically know. Right. Okay, cool. So, so I would say no more Mr. Nice Guys. It's looking like, you know, by God's grace, that look out for that. Definitely watch that space for a return of that show, mm -hmm. possibly a longer version. Um, what space it's going to be in? Question mark still on that. But we're definitely heading towards that coming back to the theatres. And then um, I would say my own work. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be writing some new stuff. So um, look out for some stuff that I'll be writing. Hopefully we'll bring that to some platform um, next year. But from now until next June, I'll be kind of immersed in this writer's lab and kind of creating stuff. So um, there'll definitely be some some things in that way. And I'm still auditioning as well. So look out for me on the screens. You, you never know if um, something will come up and I'll crop up. <laughs> 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 listen people Kalai it's been an absolute pleasure and I genuinely genuinely mean that I, I, all of the conversation I, conversations and guests I have on um, the game is a game it's just it's just listen this, yeah, is, no, this is no no lies here people there were no notes made this was mm. just a conversation and that's what this that's what this yeah, podcast man. is about but Kalai thank you so much um, thank you, I truly appreciate it and um, for those listening that's been episode four of The Game yeah, is the Game. Thank you and good night. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mash st paddy if you'd like to find me on twitter you can find me at mash st paddy and if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com